So we left off in this book on the Prophet as a teacher. Um, so, side note: this is not Muhammad, the perfect teacher, is a little bit of a uh, what's a good word for that in English? In Arabic, you say like it's a it's like tajawuz, like tajawuz. There's a little bit of a like they took a little bit of liberty with the translation of the title. That's how you would say it. This actual book is called Rasul al-Mu'allim. The Prophet, the Teacher. So, Prophet Muhammad, the Perfect Teacher. It's nice. It gives you an idea of what they're doing. The translation so far has been pretty good. Alhamdulillah. So we left off on this section. We had just covered the section on the Prophet wasallam's perfection in character. And now we have reached to the section on his excellence in speech. Um, yeah. The son of the author might be in town soon. Sheikh Abdul Fatah's son. Might be in town soon. We'll see if he can come through or we'll see what happens. Inshallah. Excellence in speech. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam musannifu rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafanallahu ya'u bi'ulumi fiddarin. Ameen. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's excellence in speech has eight attributes. His excellence in speech has eight attributes. Number one, he was bestowed with absolute wisdom and absolute knowledge in spite of the fact that he was unlettered and had belonged to an unlettered nation. He never read a book, studied any branch of knowledge, nor remained in the company of a scholar or teacher. Yet the Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned such things which astounded minds and baffled intellects. He was proficient in explanation and confident in word. He never erred in his speech or actions. This again was solely due to the purity of his being and the flawlessness of his nature. So this is an interesting one. I think that there's a couple actually things to think about here. The first is that one of the attributes of the prophets that we talk about in Aqidah is that the prophets, mashallah, the prophets are known to have uh, a natural intelligence. Fatana. They have a natural intelligence. It's like we've talked about before this idea that some people they can be book smart but they're not street smart. Some people are street smart but maybe they're not as book smart per se. But there's an idea that Irregardless, kind of like people have an intelligence. The prophets were endowed with perfect intelligence. They can look at a situation, and you see this from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In in the way that he dealt with different things, the most evident one to me is the way that he dealt with the conflict with the building of the Kaaba. That solution that he came up with, sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a brilliant solution. 
and it was very quickly that he came up with it as immediate right like think about the situation your people and you know your people you know it's the prophet knew his people he knew that they were a people who they went to war like they were not, you know, the part of what the prophet did as a child, they say one of his things that he did as a, as a young child, before he could fight in battles himself, he would be on his family's side in the battles, he would pick up the arrows, right? Because you shoot an arrow, the arrow, fall, if it doesn't hit someone, it falls, right? So his, his job in the battle was to go around, pick up the arrows off the ground, give them to his uncles and stuff, so they can shoot the arrows back. So he understood what he's dealing with. And his people are going to build, they're rebuilding the Kaabas before he's the prophet in, in the physical realm or the material world, you know, in the timeline of regular human beings. It's before he's the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But he, uh, he see, the, they, they, they have this situation where the different tribes are building it, the clans are building the Kaaba. They get to the black stone and they start to have a conflict about which clan is going to get to put the black stone in, all right? You guys know this. It's a famous story. And each clan starts to get like kind of riled up a little bit. Then each one like they start to bring they bring like buckets with blood in it. You know, think about these people who are intense people. They bring buckets with like animal blood in it. They dip their hands into the bucket and they start to like everyone's about to pledge. Like if it goes down, I'm on my I'm on my side. I'm on my side. Everyone. And then finally someone says, OK, why don't we get someone to help us? You know, like why don't we have an arbiter? Sometimes you see this in real life, too, by the way. Everyone, like it goes way further than it should go before an arbiter is called in. And it's like, what can the person do now? It's really hard, you know? But still, the Prophet it's like, they were like, wait, let's get someone to help us. So they say, okay, whoever comes in, he'll be the one who determines what to do, right? And the Prophet enters and they say, Asadiq and Amin, the trustworthy, the truthful, we're happy with him as our arbiter. They tell him the situation, immediately he has a response, right? Immediately. He hears the situation, he's like, okay, here's what we'll do. Bring me a cloth, put the cloth down, you know. Everyone take one side of the cloth, I'm going to put the stone in the middle of the cloth, and you guys all carry it to the place where it's going to go, and then I'll be the one who puts it in the place. And he does this, and it solves the conflict. That's an extremely high level of intelligence. And sometimes I think in in the world that that we live in, it's even a type of intelligence that's not given the kind of respect it deserves, actually. That's a really important type of knowledge. It's an important understanding of people situations, how to solve the situation, how to deal with the situation, what's the solution we can have. Well, this is a solution, but it's actually a little bit harder. What's an easier solution? These are all types of knowledge and intelligence, right? So the prophets, they have this kind of knowledge. And the prophets, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had this, obviously we saw it from this, we see it from many other, you know, another example of this is like, when they come to Medina, and he makes the pact of brotherhood between the immigrants and the helpers in Medina, right? That's a brilliant solution to the problem. It's a big problem, if you think about it. You have two communities of people that are somewhat different. They spoke the same language, but culturally they're actually different. Because the people of Mecca are in a trading town. Even today, Mecca and Medina are different, right? Anyone who's gone, you, you see it clear as day. You go in Mecca, it has a very particular vibe, so to speak. And Medina has a different vibe. So they're very different people. And they speak the same language, but different people. But the Prophet Sallallahu is able to come up with this solution to figure out how am I going to overcome this difficulty, right? And that's a gift from Allah, definitely. Some people have that. And in, in many like societies historically and stuff, people know who the Hakim is. They know who the person, or they know who the person who's wise, 
they know who the person can actually solve their problems and they'll go to them and they're they're known in like a community right all of that being said i personally think there's another angle to this which is a part of why the prophet has this incredible intelligence without studying books is because of the arabs emphasis on language and because of the beauty and the miraculous nature of the Arabic language in particular. The Arabic language is remarkable. If you really understand the Arabic language, and you know how to use it properly, and you know, like these people knew, they didn't have the books that they were reading, they weren't sitting in universities and stuff like that, but they knew their language. And they knew how to say exactly what they meant. And they knew how to say exactly what they meant in a beautiful way. And they knew how to say exactly what they meant with a little bit of possibility for another meaning. Or how to do use the language in a way that people appreciate and all this kind of stuff. They knew what they were doing. There was no, you know, like now, sometimes when you don't have accuracy in speech, it leaves a lot of confusion. You can't think properly. You can't analyze things properly. You can't make sense of things. It's actually one of the reasons why when you want to do a graduate degree in a field that deals with writing and reading and research and stuff like that, what do they make you do? What do you have to do? Well, I don't know about now. Everything changed now. They took away all the tests. But what do you normally, <laughs> what did you have to do for a long time before to go to a graduate? If you want to go to a serious graduate program in history, sociology, something like that, what do you have to do? GRE. Take the GRE. And do they care about the math in the GRE? They don't because you're not doing math. But the language has to be strong. If your language is strong, then you can get into the program. If you can't, you're not going to get into the program. So these people, I mean, really, it's hard to explain because the Arabic language is so incredibly beautiful. It's really hard to explain unless you kind of study it a little bit and you think about it. And you're like, man, like all of these words, the vast majority of these words are going back to three letter roots. Right. And these roots, depending on how you play with them, give you different words. So you have one root and it gives you all of these things. Like you have the root for ketaba, which tells you to write, you know, and then it says he wrote. But if you say kitaba, you see it has the same root, it's writing. And the katib is the one who writes. And the mektub is the thing that is written. And the mektub is the place where writing occurs. Right? It's remarkable. And ketb is like something that's written also. Ketb and kitab, people use it a lot, right? So there's so many things you can do with the language. So automatically your mind is, it's built in a certain way. You know? And then on top of it, if you, use, if you learn the grammar and you speak with the grammar, your mind has to kind of work with a certain level of attention and speed. <laughs> you know, your mind, if you, you can't speak Fusha properly, that's why most people when they speak Fusha, they, don't, they, they do what our teachers would make fun of us for. They call it second Teslim. Second Teslim means you just take the vowels off the end of every word right if you take the vowels off the end of every word you don't have to do an active grammatical analysis as you're speaking you just kind of go with the baseline default but if you use the vowels on the end of every word then you have to be actively doing a grammatical analysis as you speak every single time you speak and you can flip the words around in different things you can put one here and put one there and something that would normally come later you can put it before for extra emphasis and you'll know it because of the grammatical and all of this stuff is happening in your head subhanallah it's an amazing language so if you and and what the arab they understood something so brilliant 
in the time of the Prophet I was just reading it to one of my classes and I was like man this is amazing that they would take their children and send them out in the desert right like it's not going to be easy obviously you think the Prophet Wasallam's mom didn't want him with her right but her, what, what do we do if we want our children to be strong we want them to be healthy we want them to speak a pure Arabic tongue even in that time they're like we want them to speak pure Arabic their Arabic to be strong we send them to live in the desert with the Bedouin and they live in the Bedouin with the Bedouins they're going to have a certain physical constitution they're going to be able to speak in a way that's really beautiful they're going to learn how to live in a way that's really simple but is very directly connected with nature you're going to learn a lot of things in those first formative years they used to send them two three four five years you live there in the desert right there's an intelligence that comes with that there's an intelligence also that comes from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam them working as a shepherd when he was small right as all of the prophets did the prophet told us that all of the prophets worked as shepherds and we talked about this before like how much you learn from the practice of being a shepherd you know um they also probably learned things because they didn't have cultural and uh, generational divides. You know? We have big problems in America. Allah, help us. You see it in little really interesting things. You know? That for example, like in America, you can't tell a child anything except that they ask you why. Yes, that's good in a sense. Like you understand why and everything else. But like, isn't there some level at which you recognize that you're really small and other people are really big and like it, they might know something you know especially if you trust them if there's you know like your parent tells you don't walk in the middle of the street and they're like why i want to walk in the middle of the street <laughs> like you're 12 you should know you should be walking in the middle of the street you know people don't want to listen so they also have a society and a culture where it's like i'm going to sit with people who are older than me and the older people respect them too it's not like they just you know you're a dummy little kid and like don't listen you know but they sit with them they respect them they talk to them they hear elders have conversations they see them think about things they hear the language that they're using so on and so forth it's a development of the mind that happens right so you know in any case the prophet sallallahu excellent speech was that he was bestowed with absolute wisdom and absolute knowledge in spite of the fact that he was unlettered and belonged to an unlettered nation subhanallah and this is also you know like there's uh, there's tools to learning if you gather a bunch of information but you haven't actually mastered the tools you haven't really learned you just have a bunch of information and that's actually also part of the challenge now people have all kinds of information but they don't have the tools that they need you know if you master the Arabic language in order to do so you master grammar you master morphology you master rhetoric in the process of doing that, you master logic, actually. Because you can't speak language properly with good grammar, except that you have an understanding of logic. They're very tightly intertwined. So, if you do all of those things, then you have some keys. You know? It's like, uh, that's why we always say, that's why we teach here, you know. It's because we don't want people to be dependent for the rest of their lives. You know? And probably even we've taught a lot of light things in our in our estimation. Usually Sunday is a little bit lighter, you know. It's kind of because it's Sunday. Sheikh Fouad's class is usually a little bit heavier, right? And part of the idea behind that is that you get tools through it. That if I can understand certain things, if I can gain certain principles, then I don't have to be subject to other people for the rest of my life on everything. You know, I mean, people ask. 
People ask, for example, tahara questions, purification questions for their whole life. It doesn't make any sense. Like most of the time, I said this this morning in the other session, most of the time if you study like a, a decent book in a madhab on purification, vast majority of your questions are going to get answered in that text. You're not going to have to go ask people for the rest of your life. few things might happen here and there, you can ask, of course. But for the most part, you have the ability now to deal with the situation yourself. Um, and that's what learning is about. Yes. Yes. I don't really watch Al Jazeera very often, but speaking about the Arabic language, yeah. today I had the opportunity to like listen to like a long, a lot of Al Jazeera yeah. rather than just like clips that I see really on like social media. Okay. I was blown away by this geophysicist who was talking about the earthquakes. May Allah help um, our brothers and sisters in Syria, Turkey, inshallah. And he was like. He was a professional, a, a very skilled person in geophysics, talking about the structures of the buildings, talking about tectonic plates and shock absorbency of buildings. And he was, he was like Latin, Latin background. His name was Tony. He was not Arab. He, I don't even know if he was Muslim. But his command of the Arab. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony's excited. Sorry. <laughs> There's a Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody with that skill set, yeah. that science background, this is a professional they picked, like, I don't know, probably from many countries, like somebody that really knows what they're talking about in this field, and he was communicating not through a translator, but through, like, serious, like, you could see, you could see the wheels turning in his head as he was choosing the right words, and just the accuracy of his language was incredible. Yeah. I was blown away. And it's it was amazing. inspiring as an Arab American whose Arabic is unfortunately not very strong, to see that and to think like we can do that if we put that mm -hmm. effort. Mm -hmm. He must have been an extremely brilliant human, but Probably. it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Arabic I think gets a bad rap yeah. a lot of times. People think it's really hard and stuff. I don't actually think that it's going to seem contradictory to what I just said, but I don't actually think that Arabic is hard. Uh, it's it's extremely difficult to master. It's extremely difficult to master. But to get to a point of basic proficiency, I don't think is hard in the same way as some other languages. For example, in the Arabic language, what you write is exactly what you say. That's a big deal. <laughs> There's very clear rules for how to make words out of words. There's very clear rules for how to put words together into a sentence. It's very easy to understand, actually. Um, it takes time, obviously. Our, our teacher used to say that the Arabic language is not difficult. It just takes time, and it takes a good teacher. I was just thinking, yeah. how much time did he put into the Arabic and a also lot. into geophysics? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it takes time. To master, it takes time for sure. And it's, it's in the languages... In, 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 it's just incredibly, there's so much depth to it. The other thing about the Arabic language too, for example, the three, the three letters give roots of meanings, right? But oftentimes if two of those three are shared, there's a similarity in the meaning. And if you like think about it long enough, you kind of like see it. There's dictionaries on it and stuff. It's really fascinating. Um, 
But our, our teacher in Arabic used to say, La naqul inna fulanan a'lamu min fulan fi lughat al-Arabiya, wa lakin naqul inna fulanan aqallu jahlan min fulan fi lughat al-Arabiya. So we don't say someone is more knowledgeable than someone in Arabic, we say someone is less ignorant than someone else in Arabic. Like that's, they're just less ignorant, but the language is incredible. Yeah, yes, I'm glad. One thing very beautiful as well is the word Allah, which is the Arabic word for God, you can't be, you can't be pluralized. Like you can't say, you can't make two of it. And it can't really be gendered either. It can't be made into a masculine, it can't be made into a feminine word. SubhanAllah, mm. this like shows the wisdom, why Allah chose Arabic. Yeah, it's an incredible language. And it's very ancient. Dr. Omar Farooq Abdullah has some Hafidhullah has some videos where he's talked about like the history of the Arabic language. It's remarkable. I can't repeat it, but uh, it's a very ancient language, very beautiful language. Allah help us to learn it. You know, and if we don't learn it, then the other thing that we can do, and uh, you know, you can experiment with it yourself, is to write English in Arabic. Write the English language in Arabic script. Because many Muslims throughout history, they did that, right? Like the Malay wrote Malay in Arabic script. The Turks wrote Turkish in Arabic script. The East Africans wrote in Arabic script. They would use the Arabic script for whatever, because you can use Arabic like that, right? So in English, you can do it too. It's, it's not actually so difficult. Take some practice. And you can write English in, in the Arabic script. And if you, what that does as a people is it makes it so that you'll never have your people disconnected from the Arabic fully and your people will always be able to read the Qur'an right? like if you, if you learn to write your language in, in English your English in Arabic everyone will know how to read the Qur'an it'll be easy for them they won't be you know they might have to learn Tajweed and stuff but the Arabic they could read uh, anyways <laughs> Arabic is a beautiful language may Allah help us to really understand it um, second attribute. Wow, we covered one attribute. I think we're done, actually. <laughs> second attribute is memorizing whatever Allah Ta'ala informed him, whether it was the stories of the Prophets والسلام, and their nations or information about the world in the most distant past. Consequently, he never forgot any story, nor did he omit the minutest, de- detail, minutest detail of any incident. This was despite the fact that he never memorized or safeguarded any information through books. Rather, he succeeded because of a sound mind, expansive chest, and spacious heart. These three instruments are fundamental to prophethood, and he was therefore most suitable and worthy to be commissioned as a prophet. So he remembered the things that he was given information about. Probably one of the things that some of us who are older realize is that at some level, your memory gets weaker the more things you can depend on. Right? So if you're a people who don't really write, you're going to memorize a lot of stuff. Mark is not here, but Hajar is. Hajar? I think whoever brought the food is asking. Yeah, Hajar. She's outside. They should be there, yeah. Thank you. So you're going to remember things, right? If you don't write, you have to memorize everything. And because you have to memorize everything, your memory is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So people who memorize thousands of lines of poetry, you know, thousands. And 
part of and this part probably also has to do something with the intelligence too although it's a little bit counterintuitive because when you have something inside of you it's different right so if you memorize thousands of lines of poetry and it's inside of you now it's part of you and it affects your constitution in a different way than something that's kind of like passing through and you kind of recollect or something like this you know there's probably a number of people in the room who remember when we used to memorize everyone's phone numbers. You know? Like, you used to memorize them. And you keep them all in your head. So you can go to the payphone and drop your quarter in <laughs> and call whoever you want. <laughs> you know? You might even memorize the payphone numbers so they can call you back <laughs> when you're out. But uh, you remembered all these things. SubhanAllah. So the Prophet ﷺ remember this stuff. Um, I think a lot of Western Muslims, they kind of look down on this memorization piece. or like, oh, we don't need to just memorize. We need to understand and so on and so forth. Uh, memorization is part of understanding. You know? if, if you understood something but you didn't memorize, even in Western, it's really funny because we have this kind of like, uh, we have this, uh, what is it called in English? Hang up or like a... I don't know, like something's up in our heads. Like, for example, someone goes to medical school. You're going to tell me they're not going to be memorizing huge quantities of information? They'll sit with the list and memorize huge quantities of information, rote memorization, in order to do well in their medical exams and everything else, right? You're going to go to English class and rote memorize lists of vocabulary and what they mean in order to answer the questions in the test, right? But then someone comes and they say, well, you need to rote memorize the hadith. And they're like, brother, don't be so mutakhalif. We just need to have the, don't, why are you so backwards? We just need to understand the meaning and so on and so forth. So everywhere else it was okay to memorize. But here it's not okay to memorize? It's, it's very interesting, right? So like, why? Why, why, do we, why are we telling ourselves this lie? Like, oh, we just had these people, all they did was memorize everything. No, they didn't. They memorized things and they understood it. That was their lesson. Their lesson was, you go to the shaykh, the shaykh gives you half a page, you write the half a page down, and you understand it, you learn the half a page from the shaykh, and your job is to go sit down and memorize the half a page. And you come back tomorrow, you memorize it, you take another half a page. And so what happens? After the, after the time passes, you actually have knowledge. You, you actually have something. So one year passes, two years passes, you have an entire work of grammar, you've memorized it. Someone asks you any question in grammar, you say, no, well, actually you can do this or you can do that. Both of them are acceptable. You memorize, usually they memorize all the examples. You know? We had teachers, subhanAllah, like, <coughs> remarkable. Some of them were blind, so of course they had to memorize. But one of the shaykh, Shaykh Ibrahim, rahimahullah, he passed away. Shaykh Suhail and I used to go to him, Shaykh Suhail Mullah. And... Uh, Sheikh Ibrahim was blind and he had memorized not only people, you know, when they want to study Arabic grammar, they memorized the thousand line poetry of poem of Ibn Malik in, uh, in grammar, of Anfiyat Ibn Malik. And it's like a big accomplishment. He memorized a thousand lines poetry in the Arabic language. He memorized the commentary on it. <laughs> he memorized the poem and the commentary. So we'd sit down in the class and he'd just be like, Yalla, awlad. 
And he'd just be sitting there like he's blind, you know, sits down. They show him where to sit, and he sits, and he's like, Yalla, go ahead, Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. He says this. Here's the commentary on it. Do you understand it? If you didn't understand it, he'll explain it. Like, you know, grammar is never leaving him. So he had Braille books? No. They didn't even have Braille books. They What they would have usually, and one of the other shuikh told us this. Because they start in the Azhar system when they're kids. <coughs> he said his friends, this is the other shaykh, Sheikh Ali Saleh. Uh, he, he said that his friends would audio tape books for him. You know, like, we, you know, like the old school. How we used to, you know, you sit down, the radio, come, you have your tape player ready, and the radio, the song comes on, you hit record, and you record your song, right? <laughs> his friends would sit down, they read the book on tape. He had a whole library of cassette tapes of books on tape. You know? And then he would just sit, and he'd listen to it, 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 listen to it. And then until he memorized it. SubhanAllah. You know? uh, anyways, overdoing the point. All I'm saying is it's okay to memorize. Uh, someone's asking, is writing ayat from Quran a helpful way to memorize, like writing over and over? Some people do that. You know, different people will give different advices with memorization. My feeling over time is that if a person commits themselves to trying to memorize things, in the process of doing that, they will attempt different methods and they'll figure out what works for them. One person might like to repeat it over and over again, one line over and over again, then the next line over and over again. Someone else might want to take the whole chunk. Someone else might like to write it. Someone else might like, people do different things. And different things have worked historically. Like It's very common for people to, uh, again, people now, they think it's really strange, but they, would, they, they have their, their tablet, right? In North Africa, West Africa, they have a tablet and they have a pen, like a pen, I guess you could call it, and they make the ink themselves out of the plant. It's organic, okay, before I get to what's coming afterwards. It's organic ink they make, and they dip it, and they, they write the, the sheikh tells them the portion, they write the portion, and then they memorize it, and then afterwards they wash it off, and then they drink the water. That's what I said, before you get to that point. It's organic, okay? It's plant-based, plant-based ink. <laughs> and then they drink the water afterwards, right? SubhanAllah. So not only did they write the whole Qur'an and memorize the whole Qur'an, usually they, they will have drank the whole Qur'an too. As crazy as that sounds, but like, it's really interesting whole body experience, you know? Uh, huh? All five senses, yeah. Alright, he memorized everything. Wow, we're... Number three, his ability to provide the most convincing of proofs for the laws he enacted. We'll see you inshallah. His ability to provide the most convincing of proofs for the laws he enacted and to explain matters with exceptional clarity to the extent that anything which logic demanded was never left out and anything which the intellect repulsed was never included. This is why Rasulullah said, I have been bestowed with the ability to say a few words which have a lot of meaning and speech has been made concise for me. <laughs> I'll give you Arabic language, okay? I have been bestowed with the ability to say a few words which have a lot of meaning. What is this in Arabic? Anyone? Utitu Jawami al Kenim. Utitu Jawami al Kenim. That's it. Utitu Jawami al Kenim. In English? 
I have been bestowed with the ability to say a few words which have a lot of meaning. <laughs> uh, that's, the, that's the translation of it. That's actually the translation of it. That he was given a few words, comprehensive meaning. <laughs> and this thing is also real. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I've met people who you ask them questions that are like really complicated. You feel like they're really complicated. And he'll just look at you and say something that sounds so simple. And you're like, wow, that was actually the answer. SubhanAllah. Like you, <laughs> I thought this was really complicated. I thought there was like this one short sentence. And they answered it. And you're like, wow. Like that's, now I understand what this means. When the Prophet saw something, like someone would come to him and they say something and he gives them this answer. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. I like it. It really, SubhanAllah. So uh, maybe we'll do one more because it's not a good spot to finish on the page. One more. Fourth attribute. He encouraged and actively promoted excellent morals, beautiful etiquette, the maintaining of family ties and kindness to the weak and orphans. He also prohibited mutual hatred and envy, severing of ties and disunity, so that humanity could, pr could progress in virtue, good character, and etiquette, hasten towards good, and strongly resist evil. In this way, the following words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could be attributed to his followers. You are the best of nations which has ever been sent in the world. You enjoin good and forbid evil and believe in Allah. His companions adhered firmly to his orders and abstained from his prohibitions. In this way, their religious and worldly well-being was perfected to the extent that Islam was strengthened through them after a period of weakness and polytheism was humbled despite its former power. The companions subsequently became righteous leaders and rulers. So part of this actually is that... <coughs> If you say few things, but they're really clear, and your culture and civilization has, a, has an appreciation for wisdom, and the people, what's the biggest concern for them is to act, not to talk, then you can say very few things and have really profound consequences. You know? If a, if a people's goal is to actually do it, it's not like it doesn't at some point we could keep talking about it but it's kind of just needs to get done <laughs> you know it's like it's like the memorization thing actually I'm, t I'm telling you from experience I went around to all these hafiz you know go to this hafiz ask them how do you memorize this hafiz how do you memorize this hafiz how do you memorize so on and so forth do you think it helped me at all I mean it did of course you have some ideas and stuff but if I don't sit down and memorize, it doesn't matter how much advice I get from people who memorized how to memorize. It doesn't matter if you don't sit down and memorize, right? But if a people are like, I want to follow this guidance, then they can come to the Prophet and they could ask him, Ya Rasulullah, give me guidance. And he could say something as simple as, don't get angry. And that's sufficient for the person. And I think this is part of what's really important for us to think about as a people. Like, we don't want to just be all about intellectualizing and talking and talking of course we have to learn but at some point like the talking is not the goal you know like I went to one teacher and I was trying to get like multiple you know it's like can you give me advice he's like just have sabr and make dhikr and I was like you know 
want a little bit more. So like a little bit of time passes and I go again. I'm like, Shaykh, can you give me some advice? He's like, just have sabr and make the good. Be, be patient and remember God. Be patient and remember God. Like the next day, I'm like, maybe I'll try again. <laughs> like very American. I'm going to try again. I'll come at like a different angle. Shaykh, what should I do? Uh, just be patient and remember God. You know? And finally, it's like, you know what? Maybe I should just be patient and remember God. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is what needs to happen. Maybe it's not all this other stuff and whatever. Like, just be patient and remember God. Do what you're supposed to do. Stand up for the things you're supposed to stand up for. Let things go when you need to let them go. And always remember God. And, like, that's sufficient. So now do it. Like, do it. One year passes, two years pass, three years pass, four years pass. Do it. And see what happens. Rather than like, and I think that's part of the, you know, the wisdom of what the, the sheikh was doing is like, okay, just do this thing. Don't, don't overthink it too much. Anyways, Allah wa sallam 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 wa